So today we're going to look at the Christian armour. And so we're going to go to Ephesians 6, if you would. And I think this is something that we've all looked at over the years. And uh, I thought it'd be kind of nice to, to take our armour off the shelf today and, and dust it off. Give it a bit of a polish. Uh, and uh, make sure that it's battle ready. Amen. So Ephesians chapter 6. I'm just remembering when, many years ago actually, Dad took me to a church in Sittingbourne, where he grew up, I think, uh, and up on the wall there is a suit of armour, and uh, nothing, nothing wrong with that, it's a old, really lovely old Church of England church, with this magnificent suit of armour up on the wall, and um, I'm just kind of thinking, well, we don't want the, the armour on our wall in our church, do we? Nothing, nothing wrong with that, I'm not criticising it. It's just we, we don't want that armour on the wall. We want our armour on uh, and ready for battle. So let's have a look at Ephesians 6 here. And we're going to start and just read through uh, from verse 10, I think. Yeah, start in verse 10. So verse 10 of Ephesians 6 says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. And we were singing today about the mighty one of Israel, weren't we? He is the mighty one of Israel. Put on the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Amen. Thank you, Lord, for your word this morning. Father, I pray that you just open those verses up to us this morning. In Jesus' name. So there's a couple of presuppositions here that I, I want to cover before we dive in and have a look at it. The first presupposition here is that we need some armour. That's kind of supposed in this verse, isn't it? That if, and if we need some armour, that kind of assumes that we are in a battle, doesn't it? So that's the first wake-up call this morning, because we all forget that we're in a battle. In fact, this weekend, I've been in a battle. And, and, you know, the thing is, we, we use that language, don't we? We talk about, well, it's been a bit of a battle this week, or I've had a bit of a battle. And, you know, really, that's not, that's not really correct. Because if you look at the Word of God, we are in a battle all the time. We're just not aware of it half the time. But actually, we are in a battle all the time. Uh, 2 Timothy 2 verse 3 says this. You don't have to turn there. But it says, Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier... Of Jesus Christ. See, the word calls us soldiers. And if that's not something that you've identified with yet, then realize this morning, whether you like it or not, you've been drafted. <laughs> you, you know, um, 
well, coming from Portsmouth anyway, you, you hear about how many, many years ago in the taverns and things, the Navy used to slip a, a coin into the glass so that when people swallowed their beer, they, they would take the, was it the Queen's shilling or King's shilling? Or? Dad would probably know. Um, but they would, once they swallowed the money, they, they'd kind of, they couldn't pay it back, and so they'd been bought. And that was them drafted into the Navy. But it's not quite like that with God. We have a choice. We, we made our choice the day we got born again. We chose him, and we decided to follow him. And whether we realized it or not, that meant that we were in a war. Uh, 1 Timothy 6 verse 12 tells us to fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life, whereunto thou art also called, and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. Fight the good fight of faith. So we're not just called to be soldiers, we're called to be active soldiers. We're actually called to fight. So it'd be okay being a soldier in peacetime, wouldn't it? So if you're a soldier in peacetime and you get to travel a little bit, uh, and perhaps you get some reasonable pay and things, uh, and then when actually there's a war on, and they say, right now you're going off to this country and you're going to fight, that suddenly becomes a very different proposition, doesn't it? But we're not called just to be peacetime soldiers. We are called to fight. We're told to fight. 1 Peter 5 verse 8 says this, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Do you know whose enemy the devil is? It doesn't say because God's adversary the devil, does it? It doesn't say because Jesus' adversary the devil. Jesus has already defeated the devil. The devil's now after the church. The war is with the church. He, he's not warring with Jesus now. He's been crushed by Jesus. He, he's warring against God's people. Be sober, be sober, sorry, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. So let's look at this Ephesians 6. In verse 11, we have a command. This is a direct command from God. Put on the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. So why is the armor important? The armor is important because it's the armor that's going to let us stand. If we have this armor on, we're going to be able to stand and we're going to be victorious, aren't we? And the implication there is if we don't have the armor on, then perhaps we're going to be one of those ones who can be devoured by this adversary, the devil. If we don't have the armor on, perhaps we won't be able to stand. So we need to really understand what the armor is. There's a, a few things that have been taught about the armor that I just want to question while we look at this. So a few assumptions that people have made. So, and this is just from years of me hearing different tapes and things and um, reading different things about stuff, but these are some of the things that I've picked up and then I've questioned those when I've done this study. So the first one is that it's Roman armor that's being talked about here. Everyone says, this is Roman armor. And most commentaries will say, well, because Paul was kind of chained to a centurion most of the time when he was writing, and he would be sleeping next to a centurion because he was un under guard for this time when he was writing this. Paul was looking at the centurion and thinking, well, there we go, I'll, I'll use that as an illustration. And I, I actually kind of disagree with that. And I think I can prove that from the word, and we'll, we'll do that a little bit later. 
But I don't believe Paul is talking about Roman armor. Don't believe that at all. In fact, actually, Ephesians 6 verse 10 says it's God's armor. This is God's kind of armor, not Roman kind of armor. And so the Roman armor might be useful for an illustration. And I've, I've even had a poster in the past that had the you know, a Roman centurion there and it labeled the different bits of his armor with the shield of faith and the sword of the spirit and things like that. I don't, I don't believe it's like that anymore. It's God's armor. And we can see armor as an Old Testament thing as well. The Jews were familiar with armor. If you put Hebraic hats on for a minute, yeah. armor is not a new thing. It's not something that came with the Roman army. They had armor. In 1 Samuel 14, verse 1, it talks about um, Jonathan, the son of Saul, said unto the young man that bare his armor, come and let us go over to the Philistines, Gary. And he had an armor bearer. He had armor. In 1 Samuel 17, verse 39, uh, well, 38 and 39, we have David putting on Saul's armor. He's going out to fight Goliath, and he puts on Saul's armor. It doesn't fit. Uh, and it says, uh, it says he essayed to go. He went to go. But he couldn't do it. He hadn't proved the armor. The armor didn't fit him. He didn't know how to use the armor. He didn't feel comfortable in the armor. And I think there's another lesson in there for us as well, that we've got to get comfortable in our armor. We've got to get used to using our armor so that we know when we go into battle that armor's fit and ready. God can make you win with just a slingshot. We see that. God can bring you to victory with just a slingshot. But I'd rather have my armor on. I'd rather have the sword and the shield and everything else if I'm going out to fight a battle. The other thing I've heard is that the back part is uncovered. I've heard that taught a lot, and I've taught that myself. I, I've, I've shared that, and I, I think I've picked it up from other people and then just ran on with that, and I've used that when I've been sharing. I said, but the, the back part is uncovered. And then you can do all kinds of poetic things with that and say, well, that's because we all have to stand together and guard each other's backs. And that's why the back is The back isn't uncovered at all. We'll see that in a minute. It's very clear in scripture here that when you look into the Greek, the back is fully covered. And why is that? Because if you do get out on your own, you've still got to be able to stand. If you're on your own on a desert island, you still have to be able to stand and fight spiritually and walk as a believer. You're not going to fall just because your back isn't covered. The third thing that I've heard taught and probably taught myself is that we pray to put the armor on. So where in scripture here does it say, pray that you can wear the armor? It doesn't, it, there's not a prayer in there. It says, take the armor and put on the armor. It doesn't say pray the armor. Now, I'm not criticizing that prayer because I think we can take any scripture and turn it into a prayer. I think we just have to be a little bit careful that we understand what the armor is before we go praying and saying, you know, I take the sword of the spirit and I, I'm putting on the helmet of salvation. And the other thing is that I've been taught and heard taught that we put it on daily, that we pray every day to put that armor on. And where in the scripture here does it say that it ever comes off? Does it say we take it off at night because that's when we can rest? <laughs> the, the armor doesn't come off anywhere in here. It's very clear. We put it on and we keep it on. So a, a question for you guys. I won't ask for a hand show on this, but internally you can kind of check yourself. Do you think this armor is literal? In other words, it's real. Do you really think you're sat there with a helmet on and a shield on your lap and everything else? Or do you think it's figurative? Got you thinking? I'll, I'll give you my answer, my personal I think it's both. I heard, and I think I heard Paul say it's both. 
I, yeah, I, th I think it's both. I think it's being used here as a lesson. Do I think I'm really wearing some sort of helmet right now? Well, in a way, in a, in a figurative way, yes. And I think when Jesus returns and we ride with him uh, at the battle at the end, I think we will be wearing armor, literally. So I think it's figurative and I think it's literal. And there is clearly armor in heaven. We're told that angels carry swords. We're told that there are horses in heaven, that they have bridles. We're told there is weaponry and warfare and all these things. Uh, and so we know there is such a thing as literal heavenly armor. So what I want to do now is we'll look through here. We'll just go through the verses. Keep an eye on the time. Uh, and we'll just break this down a little bit. So verse 11, put on the whole armor of God. Don't leave a bit of it out. Have all your armor in place. That ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Verse 12 is so important. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. How many of us get caught up with wrestling against flesh and blood? Most of the battles that we have in, in my family are because we end up wrestling against flesh and blood. You know, the, de the devil gets in, some, something happens, and we end up fighting each other instead of fighting him. I remember years ago, Mike Harrison, those of you who know Mike Harrison, many, many years ago, probably more than 20 years ago, when he, he was with us and he shared on marriage. And one of the things he shared that Stephanie and he would do is that when they were having an argument, because he didn't say they never had arguments, he taught us about good arguments. And he said one of the things that they would do when they have an argument is one of them would say, well, hang on a minute, we love each other. And they go, yeah, yeah we, we love each other. So if we love each other and we're in agreement on that, something else is going on here and someone else is going on here. And then they'd attack the devil instead. Which I think is a lovely, lovely way of looking at it. But it's so important. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. You know, I think the enemy has, he, he, he runs this kind of um, propaganda campaign to try and get us fighting each other as Christians. Because he knows if we can, he can get us fighting each other and not fighting him, then, then he's got some measure of victory at least. You know, Jesus said, a house divided cannot stand, didn't he? So I think the devil heard him say that. And think, well, I'll, I'll use that one then on the church. Uh, and I'll try and get them divided. But verse 12 says, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but, and there's a list here then of spiritual, um, for want of a better way of saying it, spiritual entities. It's, this gives us a list of the demonic kingdom that we wrestle against. Not really going to get into that today too much, but we'll, we'll cut it, those of you who are coming, we'll cover that a little bit more in depth on the spiritual warfare day. But we'll go through them quickly here. So not against flesh and blood, verse 12, but against principalities, the princes, against powers, in the Greek exousia, the, the authorities and powers to enable things, against the rulers of the darkness of this world. In the Greek there, that's the cosmocrator, the world ruler. And you know that Jesus called the devil the god of this world. He said, the god of this world now cometh against spiritual wickedness in high places. In the Greek, that really says they're wicked spirits in heavenly places. Verse 13, wherefore take unto you the whole armor of God. See, there's that whole again. That's repeated. You have to have the whole armor on. The whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. Verse 14, 
Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth. So this is the first piece of the armor now that we're introduced to. Have your loins girt about with truth. So I thought I knew what my loins were. I had a fair idea of that, I thought. But when I looked up that word in the, in the Greek, the loins is um, osphos, and it literally means the lumbar region. So it's the lower back. Uh, and it means the last five vertebrae, so sort of from about the midpoint of the back there down to the bottom. Your loins girt about with truth. And the word girt there, I'm not even going to try and say this Greek word, it's Strong's number 4024. You can look it up and try and pronounce it yourself later. Um, but it means to be wrapped around. So you see the loins being wrapped around, front and back, totally covered. So this is a, a wrapping like a military belt, a big heavy belt. And the truth there is aletheia, which is Greek number 225. And it literally means reality and honesty. So my question with each of these bits of the armor, because I think we'll, we'll look at each one. So the loins are girt about with truth. We have this belt of truth on. My question with each of these things is, how do we put this on? So do I pray and say, well, thank you, Lord, for a belt of truth? Or do I have to understand what truth is and have truth in my life and apply it? You see the difference? I'm not saying there's anything wrong with praying that I take the armor, but we have to understand what the armor is. I can pray all day long, thank you, Lord, for the sword of the Spirit. If I don't have a single scripture in my heart, it's not going to work for me, is it? So Ephesians 4.25, you can flick there if you want and keep your finger in chapter 6 as it's just a couple over. But Ephesians 4.25 says this, and he's talking to the church. Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man the truth, that Aletheia again, with his neighbor. For we are members one of another. So one way I can be girded with truth is to put lying away and live a truthful life that actually to be an honest person and to have honesty in our midst. That's one way to, to be girded with truth. I'll give you another way. In John chapter 17, Yeshua prays, Jesus prays for the church. He prays for the disciples before he goes to heaven. And he says this, he's praying to the Father and he says, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. And actually, when you look at the armor you, you, and you look at each of these elements, you'll see that it speaks of the word of God. Every single one of them speaks of the word. But the word of God is truth. So if we have the word of God, we have that truth. We have that reality. That's what the word means, reality. Thy word is truth. Thy word is reality. So that's the belt. That's the, the loins girt about. The next one, same verse, verse 14, and having on the breastplate of righteousness. I like the sound of that breastplate. You know, when I was a kid, I used to love um, knights in armor and things on TV, the Robin Hood films and all those kind of things. Uh, and I, I like the way, they always had these big chests in that suit of armor. You know, no matter what kind of physique you had, if you had one of those on, you, you, you've got a big chest, haven't you? That's the breastplate. 
In the Greek, it's the thorax. And again, it covers front and back. The thorax is literally two pieces that join together. So going round and over, so my back is shielded and my front is shielded. And if you think about, um, think about insects, so if any of you know a little bit about biology, when you talk about insects and you look at their body parts, we talk about the thorax, that middle bit of the insect. And that means their front and their back. It's all around. And the armor of God is all around, front and back. And it is the breastplate of righteousness. And the word righteousness is 1343 in the Greek. Uh, Di KII. Yeah, I'm not going to. Look, look it up, you can practice it. Um, so, how do we get righteousness? Anyone want to share an idea on righteousness? Absolutely, right standing with God. That's what it means, isn't it? And how do you think we could get into a place of right standing with God? How many in the room are righteous? Okay, yeah. So most people think they're righteous. How did you get there? If you think you're righteous, you must know how you got there. Relationship with God? Yeah, it's part of our salvation. When we come to God, we are made righteous. That, that's the truth. When we come to God, we are made righteous in him. And, and Romans 10, verse 10. How many of you know the Romans road? When you lead someone to say, there's this thing Christians have called the Romans road. And all it is, for those of you who don't know, is you can walk through the book of Romans and pick up particular scriptures that talk about salvation. And then you get, the point is, you get the person to Romans 10, verse 10, where it says, for with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. And that's the scripture we use to, to then share the gospel with people and say, now, you know, if you believe this that I've shared, you can confess with your mouth. And if you believe in your heart, you can be born again. And so we use that scripture there for that. But Romans 10 verse 10 says, with our heart, we believe to righteousness. Where's the heart? Right in the middle of your breast. It's that belief in God, that salvation belief that gives us our breastplate. So what then happens, and in fact, I'll show you that again, in 2 Corinthians 5, 21, it says, for he have made him, so speaking of God the Father, God the Father have made him, Jesus, to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Through the cross, he made us righteous. And through our application of believing that he died on the cross for us, we get that breastplate of righteousness. And what happens if you mess up? What happens if we sin, if we mess up, and if we lose our righteousness? We do have an advocate with the Father, don't we? And he can make intercession for us. And you know what? The Bible says if we confess our sin, in 1 John 1 verse 9, if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So if we mess up our right standing with God, if we mess up that breastplate of righteousness by getting into sin, what we have to do is we go back to God and say, Father, I am sorry. I confess my sin and I repent. And at that moment, he fixes that breastplate for us. Our righteousness is restored because he cleanses us from all unrighteousness. Amen. Okay, let's look at the next one. The next one always confused me. 
So verse 14 uh, into verse 15. And your feet shod with a preparation of the gospel of peace. Always confused me a bit, that one. Your feet shod with a preparation of the gospel of peace. In other words, have the gospel on your feet. Why on earth would the gospel be on our feet? Why is it not in our mouth? Let's have a look at that one. So, um, To shod is hupodeo, which means to bind something under. So if you think about a sandal, my sandal is bound around my foot and bound to the underside of my foot, isn't it? So it's bound under my foot. The preparation there is the most interesting word for me because that's the one that will always confuse me the most. The preparation of the gospel of peace. Uh, the preparation is Strong's number, so you can look it up if you want to, 2091. And if you're going to look it up, I really suggest you look it up in either Vine's dictionary or the Zoodites um, dictionary because both of those will tell you the following, that it has two meanings. It's, it's a dual meaning word. Uh, and the main meaning is to be ready. Which, no, you're fine, Mike. Um, so it means to be ready, which is what we'd understand by the word preparedness. The other literal meaning of the word is to have a firm foundation. So if you think about that, it makes a lot more sense than having your feet shod with the firm foundation of the gospel of peace. See, the gospel is our foundation. Everything else we do in the Christian life is built on the foundation of our belief in the gospel and our relationship with God. He's getting an abundance of water there now. Our, our belief in God and our um, appropriation of the gospel to our lives. It's, it's us believing the gospel and living the gospel. And you know what? The gospel is to be carried. The gospel is to go with us everywhere we walk. And you know, in the Old Testament, the Lord said, I will give you the ground where you tread your feet. That's what he said to the Jews when he took them out of Egypt. I will give you the ground you walk on. And you know, we as Christians are called to take the ground that we walk on, aren't we? We're called to take the gospel into our workplace. We're taught, called to, told to... We're supposed to take the gospel everywhere we go, is what I'm trying to say. The gospel should go with us. It's our foundation. It's what we walk upon. And you can see that used in Scripture. In 1 Peter 3, verse 15, it says, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready, be prepared, that preparedness again, be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks of you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Be ready to share the gospel. Have your feet prepared to run into that gospel conversation. Be ready for it. And in Romans 10, verse 15, it says, And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. And that's quoting Isaiah 52, verse 7. There's an Isaiah a scripture about the gospel being shared and how beautiful are the feet that carry the gospel. So the gospel is on our feet because we are supposed to carry it. We're supposed to stand on the gospel of God, the word of God. And your Helen Carey um, shared when the singing group were, were leading us in that lovely worship. She shared about the scripture in Luke where Jesus says, that I, give, I give you power over serpents and scorpions 
and you'll tread on serpents and scorpions. That's Luke 10, verse 19. Well, you know what? When we're treading on the devil, we tread on him with the gospel. If, if you want to take, if you want to crush the devil, take the gospel. Share the gospel. Speak the gospel. Preach the gospel. Bring the gospel into the world and it is crushing him. Because our feet have the gospel bound underneath them. That's how we stand on serpents and scorpions. That's how we crush the devil. You know, Jesus was the one who crushed his head. And the bite so in Genesis, it prophesies of Jesus. The father prophesies and said that he basically says that Christ is going to, the seed of the woman is going to crush the head of the serpent. Jesus crushed his head. And now we've got sandals, so he can't even bite us. The gospel is the thing that crushes the enemy. Let's look at the shield of faith. So the preparation of the gospel of peace, verse 16. Above all, most importantly, taking the shield of faith. Where with you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. So I've always had in mind of kind of a, a round shield. That, that's the word. That's what the word meant to me. If I think of a shield, I think of something that's kind of like a big dustbin lid or something, you know. Um, which isn't as romantic as the dustbin lid of faith. Um, but it's, it's not a dustbin lid, trust me. So if you look up the word for shield in, in the Greek, it's thurios. And the literal meaning of that is a door. And that word shield used to be used originally of the stone door that covered a cave, a tomb. Or a, a cave as a, a dwelling place. And then it came, to be no, it came to mean a wooden door. So that shield is not some sort of little round dustbin lid sized thing. It's as big as I am. Bigger, because I have to be able to fit through a doorway. And that's not always easy for me. But it's, it's a door. This is a door you're carrying around in the spirit. The door of faith. That's literally what it means. And the same word came to be used for shield. Uh, and with it, we can quench all the fiery darts of the enemy. You know, you find out what your shield is like when you get some fiery darts slung at you. That's when you find out where your faith is at. And I like Pastor Marion's definition the other week when she shared about faith being trust in God. That's what it is. It's how much do we trust God? How do we trust in him? So again, you see, we could pray, couldn't we? We could pray, Father, I, I take the shield of faith. But you know what? If you haven't got faith in you, then you can pray all you want about the shield of faith and it's not going to do anything for you, is it? That's where we can miss it. So how do we get faith? What does Romans say? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Absolutely. See, they all relate back to the word. All these things relate back to the word of God and to the gospel. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Let's look at this helmet of salvation then. And 17. And take the helmet of salvation. So the word helmet there is peri kephalia. Got it right in the Greek. And it's Strong's number 4030. And the word is made of two Greek words. The word peri means to go around something. 
and kafali means head. So this is salvation surrounding your head. And you know, I think the most important thing in, in my armor would, would be to have my head covered. That's got to be the most important thing, isn't it? That's the bit that sticks out. That's the bit that's going to peer around the side of the shield. That's the bit that's going to look over the top of a bunker. That, that's the bit that'll peer around the corner of a wall. Uh, and you know, you see soldiers today, sometimes on the news and things, you see the, sh the soldiers um, out in the Middle East and things, uh, and it's their heads that get vulnerable. It's their heads that pop, pop up through a window or something, looking to see what's going on, and then duck down again. They've got that hat on. But we need that helmet of salvation. Um, most commentaries assume that it's, it's a Roman helmet again. So you know those Roman helmets with the big kind of red brush on the top, and most commentaries assume that's what we're talking about here, but we're not. Because Paul here isn't quoting what he sees next to him in the centurion. He's quoting Isaiah 59, verse 17. And you don't have to go there, but Isaiah 59 talks about the intercessor. The Lord wonders why there's no intercessor. And it talks about Jesus making himself the intercessor. And in verse 17, it says this, for he put on righteousness as a breastplate and an helmet of salvation upon his head. And he put on garments of vengeance for clothing and was clad with zeal as a, as a cloak. See, this is Jesus's armor. This is the armor of God. This isn't Roman armor. And this helmet of salvation means to have our head, our thought life, our mind and everything surrounded with the truth of our salvation. It means we need to nail our salvation, folks. We need to know that we are in salvation relationship with God, that we are born again, that we are his children. Uh, and, you know, so many times in, in council, that's something that troubles people. That, that you know, the, the am I saved question. Am I saved? Am I, but am I really saved? Well, yes, you are. Am, am I really, really saved, though? Well, look, unless God lied, you're saved. Do you believe that Jesus died? Yes, I do. I really believe God, Jesus died for me. And have you confessed? Yes, I've confessed with my mouth. But am I saved? Well, yes, unless God lied, you're saved, aren't you? And we need to nail that. We need to bring the word of God to bear on that and know our salvation and, and not allow those doubts into the mind. You know, the, the salvation here, for, for me, it's, it's not a, a life after death issue. Salvation is life after death, isn't it? It's where we go. We're going to heaven because we love Jesus and because we're in relationship with him. That's our salvation. But it's also a life after the rebirth issue. So when you're born again, are you living like you're saved? Because we've got to live like we're saved down here. It's not just when we get to heaven where we'll enjoy our salvation. We need to enjoy and walk out that salvation down here, don't we? And live like saved people. That's the final part of the armor here. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. I don't need to go into the Greek on this one, do I? It tells us very clearly here what the sword of the Spirit is. What's the sword of the Spirit? The word of God. Uh, and we see the word described as a sword in Scripture elsewhere, don't we? We see that in Hebrews 4, verse 12. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. So I've got a question for you here. I want you to think about this one a little bit. Where is that sword? Where, where do you keep that sword? Is it, is it on your side? 
in its sheath? Is it in our hands? Ah, yeah, I see people pointing to their mouths. The sword is in our mouth, isn't it? That's where the sword of the Spirit lives. The sword of the Spirit is in our mouths. Let me show you that. In Revelation 1 verse 16, John has a vision of Jesus Christ standing before him. The book of Revelation opens out with this magnificent, beautiful vision of the risen Jesus Christ as Lord of all. Uh, And verse 16 says, And he had in his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was as the sun shineth in strength. And this gets repeated through the book of Revelation. In Revelation 2, verse 16, it says, Repent, so this is Jesus talking, Repent, or else I will come unto thee quickly, and will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. In Revelation um, 19, verse 21, it says, And the remnant were slain with the sword of him that sat upon the horse, which sword proceedeth out of his mouth. And all the fowls were filled with their flesh. So when Jesus returns... This sword is coming out of his mouth. It's the sword is the word of God. The word of God. But you know, the word, I don't hold the word in my hand. Well, I can. I can do that. We can do a Bible run and have, have the sword in our hands, can't we? But we need to get the sword into our mouths. So how do we do that? How do we get the sword in our mouths? Yeah, we read it and we speak it. And we need to have that sword, so even if I don't have my physical Bible, and I often don't, I don't carry this one around with me because it's heavy, but even if I don't have my physical Bible, I still have to have my sword, don't I? Still have to have my sword, like the rest of the armor, I have to have it, whether I've got a Bible on me or not. So in Psalm 119, verse 11, the psalmist says this, Thy word have I hid in my heart, that I might not sin against you. In Proverbs 4, verse 20, it says, My son, attend to my words, incline thine ear unto my sayings. Let them not depart from thine eyes. Keep them in the midst of thy heart. And see, if we get the word in our heart, then when we get that sword, so it's kind of, I put it this way, it's sheathed. When that sword is sheathed, it's in our heart. We keep it in our heart. That's where we store the word of God. That's where we need to have the word of God in our heart. And then what happens is when we need it, when we get under a bit of pressure, Luke 6, 45, Jesus says this, a good man out of the good treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is good. And an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. See, if you have the word of God in your heart, if you press the word of God down into your heart, if you live in the word of God, if you soak the word of God into you, then when the pressure comes, when the devil starts to walk around like a roaring lion, what comes out of your mouth is that word of God. It's that sharp two-edged sword. That's the weapon. That's the thing that drives him back. We've got to get it into our hearts. Isaiah 49 verse 2 says this. says, And he hath made my mouth like a sharp sword, in the shadow of his hands has he hid me, and have made me a polished shaft in his quiver have he hid me. So we want God to do that for us, don't we? Make our mouths like a sharp sword, Lord. Make our mouths like a sharp sword. Put the word into our hearts. So as we've gone through each of the bits of the armor there, do you see that every piece of armor relates to the word? 
every single place. Thy word is truth. We have our loins girt about with his truth. We have the breastplate of righteousness because we believed the preaching of his word and responded to the gospel. We have our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace and we can stand upon the firm foundation of the gospel. We have the helmet of salvation upon, his head, upon our heads because we believed the gospel. We have the shield of faith and faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God and we have the sword of the spirit which is the word of God. So there's nothing wrong with praying to take the armor. But let's not pray empty prayers about the armor. Let's press in and make these things a reality in our life. That's my challenge to us. Let's make it a reality. Let's really get the word of God into our lives. Let's be people who run with the word of God. Uh, And when we get into spiritual battles, let's fight with the word of God. Let's use that sword and use that shield and fight with the word of God. I want to add one thing in, just tacking on the end here, is verse 18. And I heard, I heard someone else share, I think it was Chuck Missler that shared on this, and I loved it. Because he said this, he said, everyone when they're talking about the armor, they stop at verse 17. And they think that's the armor. But if you read verse 18, that's where we can call in the air support. So, you know, it's one thing to be in a battle uh, and to have your sword and your shield. It's another thing if you can radio to base and say, can you send some fighters over and bomb these guys, please? And so verse 18 says this, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. See, this scripture here is shared in the context of a spiritual battle. It's shared in the context of us being in war. And the heavy armaments can be called in. You can call in the bombers. Because at any point we can just turn to heaven and say, Father God, Father, we are asking for your angels to come in here. Father, we are asking you to touch these people. Father, we're asking you to turn this situation around. Father, we're asking you to turn the battle back. In the name of Jesus. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for the saints. What does that mean? It means watching out for each other. If we see each other getting into a battle, then we pray. If we see each other under attack, then we pray. That's that's what it means, watching. Watching each other thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints, praying for the saints of God, praying for each other, calling in the armies of heaven calling in the the warrior armies of God, those angels of God. So that's uh, a summary, I guess, of the armor. And I hope that um, it's certainly when I studied it, there's been fresh things for me. Uh, And I hope there's some fresh things for you there. Uh, And I do want us to pray now. Um, But you know, I don't just want us to pray that we're putting on the armor afresh today. I want us to pray a prayer of commitment that we're really going to get this armor out and polish it up. Because we've got to do some action here, haven't we? If we want this armor to be shiny and well-oiled and ready for battle and our sword to be good and sharp, then we need to get into the Word. Because every part of this armor comes back to the Word of God. 
we need to be people of the book. And we need to get back into the word of God. So Father, right now as we come before you, Lord, we do thank you for the armor. We do thank you, Father God, that the armor is bigger and better and stronger than we thought. And that it is the armor of God and not the armor of a Roman soldier. Father, that it does cover us front and back. And Father, we thank you for it. Father, I pray right now for every one of us here today, a hunger for your word. Father, make us hungry. Jesus, make us hungry for your work by your spirit. Let your word burn again in our hearts, Lord. And Father, grant unto us, as Ephesians says, the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you, that we might truly know, that we might truly know your word and receive revelations from your word. Lord, show us the mysteries in your word. Show us the hidden things in your word. Show us the deep things in your word and show us the things that we need for our lives. In Jesus' mighty name. And Father, we do this day commit to keep that armor on. Uh, and Father, if any in this room have just been praying prayers to put that armor on daily, Father, I pray that revelation now would just hit their hearts that it never comes off. We take the armor of God and it never comes off because we are soldiers and we are called to be ready. In Jesus' mighty name, Father, I pray that you would open our eyes to the battle. And that's not a fearful thing. It's not fearful to be in a battle. It'd be fun to be in a battle. If you're well armed and you're, you're fighting an enemy who's already defeated, it's fun. Spiritual warfare can be fun because the enemy's defeated. So, Father, I pray right now you open up our eyes to the battle. Don't let us get complacent, Lord. Uh, and, Father, let us find joy in serving you in the battle. Father, I bind fear of spiritual warfare in Jesus' name. And I bind fear of the enemy in Jesus' name. And all superstition in the name of Jesus. And, Father, we loose these people from fear. In Jesus' name. Father, we call these people out according to your word as soldiers for Christ. In Jesus' mighty name. And I pray now, Father God, that each one of us would run to the battle and take up our sword. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Praise God.